Welcome back to the Martial Arts Mania Podcast. I'm AJ. And I'm Gavin. Oh, oh, howdy. Howdy, <laughs> mate. partner. Howdy, mate. Howdy, <laughs> where, partner. So where are you from today? Sounds like I'm from Crocodile Dundeeville. Yeah. <laughs> well, last week we got uh, Latino Gavin. Yes. And that was every time the thought process with between the thought process and what comes out of the mouth or there's there's a there's a discrepancy yeah yeah and and hopefully we don't get any to anything too derogatory one of these days you know yeah crikey yeah whoa whoa is that soon, a kangaroo soon we're gonna get protests in australia we're gonna get banned you know but hey uh no news is bad news right or all news is, or bad news is good news? no news is good news yeah, yeah. no news is good news it's all pub- publicity baby yeah no news is bad. No news is bad news. Sounds like a good uh, title to an '80s Hong Kong action film. Oh, starring a lady reporter. Oh, a blonde fury, if you will. No news is bad news. Hiya. <laughs> so, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well. How about you? Good, good. Uh, it's uh, let's see. It's been a little over a week since we recorded. So I I got our episode out the week it was supposed to. Normally I drop it on Mondays, but instead dropped it on a Friday. So this episode will come out hopefully on a, a Wednesday because uh, I, I remember Wednesday being like the day that was best for us. So uh, hopefully we'll get back on Wednesday track. But otherwise, since then uh, I've been to the movie a couple of times. I Wait, saw. What, what, what have you gotten seen? I what saw. To see? Nope. And I saw Thor, Love and Thunder. Okay, so Nope stars Michael Wincott. Yes, and uh, biasedly, he's one of the best parts of the film. Now, here's the deal with Nope. Uh, I I very much enjoyed Get Out and Us. Uh, I I liked Get Out for, and obviously we're speaking of Jordan Peele's filmography here. His you know previous two uh, horror films he directed. Get Out obviously had some uh, great political and social commentary. Uh, you know, dealing with uh, I guess you could say kind of appropriation of African American culture and so forth. And then obviously us had similar themes of like uh, the individual and uh, kind of. Uh, identity and how that works and i i enjoyed uh obviously i feel like it's it's kind of been unfortunately a downward trajectory which is what happens when your first film is like this incredible piece of work that everybody loves but i still really enjoyed us because i thought it was super creepy and i really liked the twist ending i thought that was a lot of fun uh and it was just creepy right now nope it's still a good solid movie and it's funny it's one of those ones i feel like is going to be best appreciated on the big screen yet at the same time i wouldn't tell someone you have to go see this movie you know what i mean Mm -hmm. uh i'd I'd say if you're into like alien movies if that's a genre you're really into then yes of course go see it and it was very entertaining uh the performances were great uh, the, the screenplay was great, but it, it wasn't like something I'm going to write home about for me personally. It's not my genre. I gravitate towards, obviously we are not doing the, uh, alien mania podcast, but, uh, it was an entertaining movie. Michael Wincott is great in it, uh, as is the rest of the cast. And it is very entertaining. I'm glad I went. I have no regrets, but at the same time, uh, I would say, you know, you can wait till it comes out on streaming, but definitely watch it on like a big TV with a great uh, sound system because it, it deserves that in the sense of the kind of magnitude of some of the scenes and, you know, 
the alien stuff. So definitely entertaining. Uh, now Thor love and thunder absolutely loved aside from the fact that I had, uh, unfortunately a very obnoxious little kid right in front of us and his parents did nothing the entire time. Uh, but we did go see it up here in the mountains. So, uh, that's what happens. We have a great little local theater up here that they've spent the last two years renovating. So now it's got all the lean back chairs and it's a fantastic movie theater. Unfortunately, just kind of when you're up here and dealing with the demographic that is up here, you're going to have people that do not have or even know proper movie theater etiquette. Uh, well, you know how to handle that is, is just, just remember Charles Bronson at the end of death wish (laughs) Two. Right. End of death with two. Right. Or is that one? Oh, with the, the winking. The, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I yeah, just uh, get in front and just do that. Now, Although, at, I guess now that's inappropriate. So never mind. Yeah. At the same theater, I did one time yell at a group of 13 year old girls. There was a couple of them, but they were consciously being obnoxious. They were trying to as best they could. Uh, and that's why. Now, this case was a little kid. And I honestly at first thought, OK, maybe he's special needs or something. No, he was not. His parents just could not control him. And then that, when I realized that, that's when I was like, oh, I was pretty peeved. But it just goes to show how great the movie was because, and the kid was very, uh, he would like sit down during all the action sequences, so no problem. But there's some great heartfelt moments of like drama uh, and, you know, love and all that. <laughs> for lack of a better uh, word. But so in these moments that like actually kind of uh, captivate you as an audience member and you start to get really into it, that's when the kid would be obnoxious. I'm like, really kid? You know, like really heartfelt uh, sequences that were destroyed by an obnoxious little brat. But, you know, it is what it is. Otherwise, highly recommend that one. If you anybody wants to go see that in theaters, definitely worth it. A lot of fun, a lot of great action and a lot of great performances, which is pretty standard with the Marvel films. I mean, I love the Marvel movies. I'm not like, Mm -hmm. you know, one of those MCU nuts, uh, but definitely entertaining. I like the trajectory of where the Thor movies have gone uh, over the last two. I know some people, uh, you know, kind of disagree. They think it's gone a little too comical, but uh, I quite enjoy that. It, it, it's I, I I haven't seen out those films. This is actually on Tuesday. I'm planning on seeing Nope, uh, and then on uh, Wednesday <laughs> I'm gonna go see The Killing, uh, Stanley Kubrick's The Killing, along Ooh. with Kansas City Confidential, with uh, my coworker, colleague, friend Johnny Hobbs the third. Um, this is a check to see if he's actually gonna be listening to the podcast. Oh. Oh, you my name. You're hearing something, aren't you? Yes, uh, I am too. I think it was my it's in air, my left ear. It's the air conditioning okay. unit. I think turned on outside. Uh, that that's what. Uh, okay, I would just. I'm more. I like it doesn't bother me. I was more concerned that it was my end again. And so, tell you what, we're gonna take a quick little break. And we're back. Okay. Taken care of. So you're going to be uh, going to see The Killing. As a double feature with uh, Kansas City Confidential at the New Beverly Cinema this week. Excellent. So looking forward to that. So I guess I'm going to see three movies on on the calendar for this coming week. Nice. Um, Yeah. So I'm looking. I'm really looking forward. I think The Killing is really, truly one of the best cinema. uh, uh, One of the best film noir cinematography 
example of great film noir cinematography period sorry i think the the ac really just threw me off man it's throwing off my word yeah, you know what you know what that's hey you, we're we're not quite to joe rogan level production yet uh and i'm blessed to have an air conditioning unit and it literally just turned on because i think it hit 74 degrees uh, and so, and it's right outside the window where the room I record in, but, uh, I apologize. Let's get ourselves back on track. So, uh, any exciting martial arts news? Any exciting martial arts news? I mean, I can't think of any, but I think your question, I mean, I've been kind of out of the loop this week. I've been a little busy and whatnot. So. Is there exciting martial art news? I don't think so because uh, the John Wick 4 trailer dropped before our last episode. We discussed that a little bit. Oh, here's something. So uh, our loyal listener, Mr. Varga, uh, he messaged me this morning saying he had just listened to the episode and informed me that. uh, So I mentioned last week how I love the film Shaolin and Wu-Tang. It was like one of the mm-hmm. first old school movies I saw, and but I've never been able to find a good version of it, right? Like I had my old VHS mm-hmm. copy and even a DVD copy I picked up at uh, Amoeba years ago is just like a, uh, you know, like a pan and scan off of the VHS one. But apparently the RZA has released one online uh, maybe in the last year or so. And it's from one of the only, it's a scan from one of the only known 35 millimeter prints. So there's like multiple options. I have to look into it. You can purchase it to stream online and you can watch it with his commentary or without. I I assume that if you purchase it, you get all the versions. I'm not sure yet, but I'm excited. So hopefully I'm going to jump on that and maybe we can review Shaolin and Wu-Tang. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. And then because of that, and because I was thinking about it during my workout today, I was listening to Apple Music Essential Wu-Tang Clan. That sounds good. Did they play anything from uh, Ghost Dog, Way of the Samurai? That I don't know because I wasn't looking. I was obviously uh, focusing on my workout because I actually right. uh, focus on my workouts, Gavin. I don't just run to my phone to see what song is playing. <laughs> but uh well, I- it w- I'll just say that that's a fantastic soundtrack when it comes to uh, RZA and. Uh, now this is this is an interesting uh, thing I haven't thought about. So you are originally East Coast. Yes. So you've spent obviously your childhood was East Coast and Far East Coast <laughs> in Japan, uh, but and then but you've been on the West Coast for like the last twenty years. So question is. West Coast or East Coast rap, my friend? Oh, you know, that's a really difficult question, but I am a huge. So first off, if you really want to get into it, I can quote almost any Ice-T song to you, particularly from uh, particularly from the Iceberg era where he, uh, he and Jello Biafra kind of did a little work together through OG Original Gangster, which I think is one of the most uh, important albums of the 90s. Um but with that said, I also love the G-Funk era, which is West Coast. Sound-wise, wow, so I'm, I'm learning all new things. But uh, I mean, I guess I know. I guess Ice T is technically West Coast, but you know, in in his one song, uh, that's that's uh, that's how I'm living, or that's where I'm. He he talks about being from originally from New Jersey, so I always feel like he's kind of transcends East Coast West Coast. But when it comes to that East Coast West Coast sound. I really love the G-Funk era, but I also love the Lords of the Underground and Gangstar from uh, from and Guru from the East Coast. So, yeah, if you want to do a podcast episode on this, I mean, digi- diggable underground uh, planets, forget about it. Who is a big martial arts fan, by the way? Yeah. Wow. Uh, 
I'm so. getting I'm getting educated here. But you know what the funny part is for me for Ice T instinctively, I always think East Coast too, and I think it's two elements. One, the fact that he's been on Monitor SVU now for 20 years, uh, a New York based show. But second, also New Jack City, and I feel like that just always makes exactly. me think he's from New York. However, I was reading about him. Quinn F a couple months back, just like, oh, let's read up on Ice-T. And he did spend most of his youth in Los Angeles, right? He grew up in Los Angeles. Yes. Yeah. So yes. Uh, you're right. Maybe he transcends borders, man. He he, he doesn't That's let right. it restrict him, man. He, he just... He can, yeah. He can talk about doing things to cops and then he can play a cop. That's what he does. He transcends borders. That That is... I mean, when you have a song called Cop Killer, yeah. and then you spend the last 20 years playing a cop... Uh, hey, nothing can stop you. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's a difficult question. It really kind of, uh, you have to just be kind of open. I mean, Atlanta has some great hip hop that came from Atlanta, from that area as well. I don't know if that's really called considered East Coast because for me, East Coast is usually that New York area, Lords of the Underground. Then you got Atlanta, the Atlanta sound you got. Now, so, with the Atlanta you have sound. O- Oakland is, you have Oakland as well with that Too Short. So, I mean, yeah, you, you, you scratched a, a surface that you didn't know well, that well, would, would Oakland, bleed. Oakland, Too Short, but let's let's be honest. Greatest Oakland rapper, MC Hammer, baby. MC Hammer. That was my, like when I was like five years old and MC Hammer was huge. Oh man, I had Hammer pants. I thought Hammer was the coolest. I watched the cartoon. I had the Adams uh, family music video VHS tape, you know, for his rap. So, so uh, we, we, we might, we might have a wrap off. I'll, I'll bust out some ice to you, bust out some Adams family rap. <laughs> well, maybe if I did the dance moves, then I'd be dope. Uh, yeah. yeah. So for our listeners that cannot tell, I do not have a deep knowledge of rap or rap culture. I didn't grow up listening to rap. If anything more in recent years, I've been uh, getting more into it. Obviously I've been trying to Starting during the pandemic, I got more into Wu-Tang Clan. A lot of it is through uh, Sifu Alex at uh, the Kung Fu Genius Podcast and before the dudes at Kung Fu. And actually, in their last episode, they had a deep dive on the Wu-Tang Clan. And they were, he started oh. like rapping with Dre. I was like, I was very impressed. But that being uh, said, I was like, you know what? I need to get more into this because actually, it was when I was in China and I was just downloading random music. It was the first time I stumbled upon a Raekwon song. And it was sampling, I forget, from which Kung Fu movie. And I was like, whoa, this is cool. So really, I've been trying to get more into it. Uh, I have like a whole rap workout playlist. It is predominantly West Coast rap. I can say that. Uh, A lot of Ice Cube. I guess, biasly, I like a lot of the music that samples classic R&B and funk music, which I Mm -hmm. have loved since uh, like high school, obviously. Well, I grew up with like Motown, which then led to my interest in like funk and R&B and Prince and, you know, all that good stuff. But anywho, we are totally going off a tangent. No way. No way. We're right on track. We're right on track because we are talking about... <laughs> well, I think what we're talking about today, we're like, wow, polar opposite. She has no connection uh, really to that uh, medium. But yes. But anywho, uh, today, let's let's go ahead. Unless you have a question or quote for me today, let's get into the episode. Let's get in. Yeah, let's get into the episode and maybe have a quote at the end of it, uh, at the oh. end of this. The, and, you know, this this episode suggestion came to us through Twitter. Someone reached out, said, what are the top movies of this particular actress or actor? Although everyone knows, spoiler alert, you've read the title of this episode. But I am using my phone to record today, so I can't pull up the Twitter handle. So my apologies, but I'll tag you in uh, when we post this episode. That's what I like to hear. So today we are doing the top five 
Cynthia Rothrock movies. Now, Cynthia Rothrock. With caveats. With caveats, yes. She has <laughs> yes. a very diverse uh, filmography, and she could possibly go down as not only one, she, I mean, could be on anybody's list as the greatest martial arts star. And I say martial arts, not even female martial arts star. She could go down as the greatest martial arts film star. Uh, she's unequivocally the greatest female martial arts star, but she could, she would probably also be on my list of the greatest or one of the greatest supporting martial arts stars mm-hmm. as well. And because she's had so many great roles where she's either a supporting actor, a featured player. And that's what made this list kind of difficult because we're like, first it's like, all right, do you break it between her Hong Kong career and her American career? Eh, not really. That's a little too difficult. I mean, she has a, a lot of films in both, but not quite enough to do separate lists, especially when you go off of the rule set we kind of made uh, in the sense of we decided that, first of all, we're going to blend the movies together, Hong Kong and American. Uh, second, she has to be a either the star of the film or the co-star of the film. So in that sense, what that means is she cannot just be a featured player uh, part of an ensemble cast or just a uh, supporting actor. Now, when I say that, what I mean is she has to be the co-star where she could be nominated for Best Supporting Actress, if that makes sense, right? So not just a random supporting actor, but she has to be the co-star mm-hmm. or the equivalent of, oh, she has maybe not lead billing, but she's on the billing and she could be nominated for best supporting actress. Now there's, and that separates quite a few, uh, very distinctly, very easily. For example, like millionaires express, she's part of an ensemble cast. That's an ensemble movie. Sammo and UNBL are the stars. There's no way like that would be okay. A Cynthia Rothrock film. Same thing with the, Inspe- Oh, really? <laughs> oh no. 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 Uh, same thing with like Inspector Wears Skirts. She starts off in the opening action sequence. It is incredible. She's in the finale and does all the best stuff. But really the whole middle chunk of that movie, there's no Cynthia Rothrock really, well, you know? And I, I think like another example for me is is like a film I really wanted. You, We know that I like and I would kind of really wanted to work on here. But basically Rage and Honor 2 or Martial Law 1. Where in both of these films, like Martial Law 1, she's definitely supporting, supporting of um, right. Steve McQueen in Rage and Honor 2 as opposed to like say maybe a Rage and Honor 1 for instance that film is I have to say is more of a Richard Norton vehicle than a Cynthia Rothrock vehicle Agreed. although they are kind of like co-build and you could say well kind of co-nominee but she's definitely more a supporter whereas like if it were Rage and Honor 1 even though it is kind of like almost equal time as the first one, she's driving that yeah. script. And so I that's would, why that film could could fall on the list. Exactly. And I would actually say that Rage and Honor 2 could. She could be of that like co-star uh, quality. However, it's just Richard Norton just steals the show in that one. And so, for example, yeah. Martial Law 1, uh, I 100% agree with you. It, uh, I love that movie. Uh, it's on my honorable mentions which we'll get to here but it just couldn't qualify because really not only is chad mcqueen the star the co-stars would be his brother in the film and david Mm -hmm. carradine as the antagonist you know she is really just kind of a supporting back not background but supporting actor in that one not a co-star and and i i think the other the other aspect of this is we were going back and forth is it her best movie Mm -hmm. the movie where she's or is it her best performance? And you know, there there are areas where both of these like 
fit together. Yep. And then there are areas where one is a slightly better performance. It's a slightly better film. And so that's, you know, it, there's a lot, there's so much science that goes into this, but this, these are science based. <laughs> well, true, this is the end all don't turn, turn nowhere else. Exactly. And so that's why this list kind of fluctuate for both of us in the sense of, okay, is it the better film or is it the better Cynthia Rothrock film is you know, does it represent which movie I would recommend to somebody or which film I think is the best Cynthia Rothrock one? And that's why this list is kind of it. These movies can be really in almost any order. Uh, and so that's why it's based off of our own personal opinions. Uh, now that mm-hmm. you all know the ca- caveats of what's going into this, kind of how and, we made these decisions. Do you break the caveat at any point? There's like one film. So God, uh, there's one I really wanted to like so bad, but I was like, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to stick to it, especially because there's only five. We've done top 10 listicles before where it's a lot easier to do one. We're like, all right, I'm going to kind of break the rules. This time I stuck to the rules and that's why we'll we'll go into the honorable mentions. So let, uh, let's do you wanna jump into it. Yeah, let's honorable jump mentions? into the honorable mentions. Okay. So my honorable mentions, first of all, Rage and Honor one and two is in there, as mm-hmm. I mentioned. Uh, martial law is in there. Uh, now this one, and this one may make your list. And the only reason it didn't make mine is because it's been years since I've seen it and I could not find a good enough quality version to watch it. I'm one of those people like, yes, I understand there's a version on YouTube. I found it, but it's overly pixelated and I will not do that. So another one on my list, lady dragon, because Mm -hmm. I feel like it could have possibly made a top five. Uh, I honestly haven't seen it in about 20 years. And so I, I just, you know, I can't remember it well enough. Uh, and so hence why it makes my honorable mentions. This one, this is the one that I I really wanted to break the rules and I, put on there. I feel, I feel like this one's probably going to be on my list because yeah. I it's been off my list and on, off and on. And that's okay because then that gives me the excuse to talk about it. But it's Magic Crystal. Oh, okay. Yes, yeah, same, same here. Oh, it's, it's not on your list. It's not because, uh, because it's, I feel like here's she, the deal. She like it's one of her best martial arts performances in the sense of she gets to do a ton of traditional kung fu in it, which is incredible. Uh, it's a contemporary movie, but she's they just have everyone doing like a lot of traditional stuff. And it's a, some of the hardest hitting. It's maybe the best Hong Kong martial arts film you've never seen. But don't worry, <laughs> there is a uh remastered blu-ray coming out hopefully i think by the end of this year that yours truly helped arrange an interview for uh on the special features so i'm just gonna leave it at that but uh yeah it's it's just it's her performance is incredible but she's definitely even though she makes like the poster she's on the poster but really she is a supporting uh ensemble player in that film she is not a co-star or you know what i mean no, I do. Uh, I mean, so for me, the Rage and Honor films are on this list as well, uh-huh. um, particularly two. One, I really wanted to slip onto the list. I think Rage and Honor 2 is the better action film. Rage and Honor 1 is the better film. Agreed. Uh, I'll, I'll see as I get into my I have two films written down in one spot. We'll see which one I say. If, if, if I don't say Rage and Honor, it's on the honorable mentions. Uh, honor and glory for me is on this list. Okay, that's my honorable uh, mentions. That's my last honorable mentions because I didn't want it to spoil my number five, which it was between those two. So, anyways, yeah. Yes. Okay, so so we're, we're th- these lists are very fluid and they're not in stone until we record it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, Magic Crystal, of course. Uh, 
Fast, fast getaway, man. Oh, that's, that's no, a, no. That, that's it actually a, is good. It actually is good. Yeah, because she, she, she kind of plays a bad, bad. Uh, yeah, that's what people forget about it. She was part of an '80s. I'm not sure if you'd say classic, but a '80s classic era film. Uh, I will say that you put one film on your honorable mentions that's on my top okay. five list, which I thought would happen because I'm putting one of. I think one of your top fives on my honorable mention, and it's for the same reason because I've only seen a very poor VHS copy of a copy oh, of it. I know which one it's, it is. It's China O'Brien. Okay, okay. So I'm sorry about that. Okay, no, hey, it, no, it is. No. It, but one of the films you mentioned is definitely on my list. Okay, so, so it's since uh, my final honorable mention is Honor and Glory because my number five in this one kept going back and forth. I watched both of them uh, in the last 24 hours. Well, good uh, for you. So my number five, and maybe it's your number five too. And I don't know, maybe people are going to be up in arms about this, but my number five, top five Cynthia Rothrock film is undefeatable. I, yes, it is because it's, <laughs> it's, it's quintessential, I'm, but I'm, it's I'm, and I'm, I'm, here's the, okay. We've talked about this before. I first saw this film, what I think was the late nineties, it was the late nineties when both of my parents upgraded to like quote unquote digital cable. That was a huge deal. Right. My dad mm-hmm. uh, at his house, my mom always had the, the separate box that you hooked up to the TV. And so if you wanted to watch the, what would be the premium cable channels like HBO, the movie channels. And at that time I remember Disney, you had to literally switch inputs, turn on a box and it was hooked to the side of the TV. My dad always just had what was basic, basic cable. Uh, and then like in the late nineties, they both, that's when like the advent of digital cable came out, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so my dad finally switched over to digital cable where it was sort of like, Oh wow. now we have all these movie channels and stuff. And so it was in the late nineties when I first saw undefeatable on action max. So in fact, I can tell you it was as early as seventh grade. Cause I remember bringing it over to a friend's house. Like you guys got to watch this movie. It's so cool. And I just remember thinking it was such an amazing film. And then in the years following, especially it was like around 2006 on YouTube where they post the ending fight and it kind of got a lot of flack for, you know, quote unquote, worst fight scene ever or this or that. But at the end of the day, and yes, there's some hokiness that comes with that ending fight, which we'll get to in a second. But overall, as a film, it's it's a great genre picture. It it absolutely is, and it's it's a quintessential film from the straight to video martial arts genre. There, if you had to pick a film to introduce people to how insane this genre can be yes this has to be one of them and if it isn't on your list then maybe you were in a bad mood when you were watching the film right and this this film is the definition of a cult classic and there's all sorts of science fiction films horror films uh straight up action movies that you know fall into this or and comedies that fall into this fall into this cult classic uh, category where at the time of release, maybe they got no attention or a bunch of negative attention. This one probably more so, you know, flew under the radar. Only genre fans were watching it. But over years, over the years, they, they gain a cult following. And then sometimes mm-hmm. a whole new appreciation, even from a critical standpoint uh, or a scholarly standpoint, not to say that this film necessarily would, but it is a fantastic genre film in the sense of it's really it's it's an exploitation film without a doubt. It's trying to blend what would be the martial arts film genre with kind of the quasi horror, but more like serial killer. That is, yeah, you know, like the main slasher thing. serial killer. Yeah. Yes. And so and, it's like horror and martial arts together. And, you, and it's, it's so you've got the martial arts like uh, 
person who's like on the cusp of being a gang member, which is Cynthia Rothrock. Although I don't really consider what she was doing gang member type activity with a, a cop that slowly like guides her into making the right decisions balanced out by, as we've discussed before, one of the craziest villains i think was he's on both of our top 10 lists top mm-hmm. five lists of villains in martial arts cinema history it, it's it just works it uh it incorporates so much of what we all seek from action films from slasher film from serial killer film from um martial arts from contemporary uh cop film it's it's just contemporary action it just has everything and of course the fight scenes, ridiculous, but how difficult was it to perform those well, fight scenes? And they're, they're ridiculously they're ridiculously good, my man. So and I agree. And the thing is, there's a step above. We had had by this point, 1994, whatever. There have been quite a few of Hong Kong American co-productions. And the thing about this one is, one thing we don't get is we don't really get any undercraking. So you're not having any like overly sped up action, uh, and you're getting. In this film, I would say had a much lower budget than even some of those other Hong Kong American co-productions, but you're still getting some stellar quality choreography. And the thing is, you're getting some fantastic real life Kung Fu martial artists. So first of all, our villain, Sifu Don, uh, Don Nayam, uh, incredible martial artist, but his screen presence in the film it is just so good. Like I, I never found it as hokey or comical uh, and I find it kind of frustrating when people do. Now, are there outdated elements to the film uh, and some of like even the hair and costume choices? Sure, maybe. But he's just he's playing this psychotic serial killer that's literally been snapped and broken in half. Now, I would have liked a little more backstory how he went from the loving husband to suddenly like this kind of psychotic serial killer. Like, did he have like, I don't know, a brain tumor or something or too much head trauma that caused this shift uh, character shift, which, you know, would be an interesting uh, a element to explore, but uh, his performance is just so creepy in in, in the well, best way. Well, and, and listen, like I mean, I'm I'm biased, you right. know. This this and essentially most of these films on this list have changed my life or affected my life in some way or another, which is uh, you know a lot to say, probably a lot to say, but undefeatable essentially brought me to seek out training with Sifu Don, right? So I'm, I'm completely biased. Yep. But um, what I really appreciate about Sifu Don in his training, uh, in his teaching, but also in this film, is he doesn't take his foot off the gas. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't compromise. He gives us a villain that actually balances out the film because we actually have three protagonists going against one villain, or actually four protagonists, if we think about it. Uh, the other element that I you were mentioning about the fight sequence, you know, there's no undercranking. What we didn't always get in Western martial art films were two martial artists facing off, let alone three martial artists facing off at the end. We got that in Blood Moon, mm-hmm. uh, but we don't necessarily get that in a lot of other martial art films. If you think about a lot of uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme films, yes, he is facing other martial artists, but few that have the same caliber as he did. Uh, Cynthia Rothrock, John Miller, and Don Nyam, they all have... They all had fantastic martial arts caliber for film and in real life. And so the fight works in his extent in an extended fight sequence 
was possible because of these performers and also the way it was shot. Yes, that was my next thing I uh, was going to get to as we kind of wrap up this film is, first of all, the cinematography, the lighting, uh, the camera work, the choices, all of that. Uh, so whoever the DP was, really like a step above a lot of these other films, especially because they shot it more kind of like a horror movie, which accentuates mm-hmm. the action, especially like the the warehouse fight scene uh, where they rescue uh, Donna Jason, right? There's yeah. some incredible elements in that, like the pause camera work, the slow, uh, you know, zoom ins, uh, and then just the pause where they're both standing there and the stuff's falling from the ceiling. It's just very artistic. It's almost kind of art house-esque. And you're like, wow, this is, you know, it, 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 they pull it off and it works. And there's some great fun little elements like that throughout uh, what are some great hard-hitting kung fu uh, fight sequences. Now the finale and the reason why it's maybe a little dated and it more has to do with the, because the finale itself is still really well shot. There's some great camera work, like some dynamic moving camera, like traveling shots as they like follow Sifu Don as he throws like a series of kicks. And the, the problem is what happens is when they pretty much, when they both get cut and they both decide to rip off their shirts, this is a very <laughs> kind of outdated nineties machismo. Let's flex and be oiled up. And I feel like that's the one, uh, you know, the main thing that makes people kind of laugh at that sequence. And had they found a more organic way to do that, because let's be honest, all sorts of action movies did that. Van Damme always ended up with his shirt off, you know, Schwarzenegger, Stallone, that was normal. But I feel like this, it was kind of very forced. And not only that, it's like, you know, John Miller literally starts looking at his arms and flexing like, and hey, incredible physique on both guys. So more power to him. But and that's also the fact that they kind of when they take off their shirts, it also changes the choreography a bit. And like, you know, obviously, whether that had to do with like padding or anything like that and what they can get away with. Uh, but it also made it a little more over the top. And then once Cynthia Rothrock comes in, though, it gets much more grounded again. And that's mm-hmm. the, the fight goes back to kind of the stellar quality of the previous fights. But I, I feel like Wait. that's the only and that's the reason why it got such notoriety, uh, especially on YouTube. And I feel like people should be able to look past that and get what is a fantastic genre film. Is this like some <laughs> top 10 martial arts film of all time? No, no, it's not. But it is an absolutely incredible bookmark on American martial arts cinema, especially the straight to video market. You know, it, it's funny because I, like, again, on Twitter, there was a, uh, sorry to talk so much about social media on Twitter. There was a question like name a film that uh, encapsulates the nineties for you. And I was actually going to respond undefeatable because Hey, this this is a quintessential '90s uh, martial arts film. I was also going to respond, "Blood on the Moon." I didn't respond. Blood I, Moon, yeah, Blood Moon, yeah, Blood Moon. Because I think both of those kind of encapsulate like this is '90s straight to video for me. This is what yep. I this is what I was eating. Uh, with that said, should we? Is there any more on this list, or should we move on? Let's move on. Yeah. So, undefeatable number five for both of us. Great choice. Seek it out if you can. It is uh, on Prime. You can watch it for free on one of uh, it's. It's featured on Prime, but you have to watch it with commercials. It's on. It's called Freebie. It just so it just pops up under. Uh, you can search under Prime and watch it. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, totally worth it. Check it out if you haven't already. Okay, I always like to say where you can watch it because your mom will be like. Well, where can I watch it? She can watch I have the DVD. Well, technically, I have your DVD. Oh. (laughs) What have you done with my DVD? Yeah, I've been been watching it. (laughs) 
Uh, you sent it to me in my defense. Yeah. Uh, but I don't worry. I'm taking good care of it. Okay. Thank you. So, uh, Number four. So number four for me is an extremely biased pick. It would be on an overall martial arts list. It would surpass, uh, you know, probably all of these except the number one maybe, but still maybe the number one. It's very biased mm-hmm. for me, just like this last one is for you. The reason why it's at number four, not higher, is because it is truly a co-starring role for her. Like this would be the the border of what counts as like a co-starring role and which could be on this list. Anything less and it would have been bumped off. But for me, my number four is writing wrongs. And it's that's my uh, that's that's my number three. Oh, OK. So I, in that case, let's should we do your number four first? Sure. Yeah. What's your number four? So, so my number four is Lady Dragon. OK, perfect. Uh, that's great. And, yeah. You know, well, I mean, basically, we were talking about what is a film that stars Cynthia Rothrock. And I was thinking about it. And obviously, you know. At first, I was like, no, she's always like a co-star or there's somebody else like kind of riding her coattails or she's riding someone's coattails. This is one that she stands alone. There are a few other films. I suspect both those other films are on our list or somehow on our list. But uh, Lady Dragon is her starring vehicle of that. I don't want to call them Western martial art films, but they are Western martial art films shot in like the Indonesian, Philippines. Yeah, these count. Thailand these count as area. the American straight to, even though they are filmed. In, yeah. they, half of them were filmed in the Philippines, Thailand, Indonesia. Like even if they were set in America. Uh, real quick side note: I was watching Triple Impact recently. Uh, I with, saw that. Yeah, <laughs> it was on Tubi. Yeah, uh, yes. with one of my greatest inspirations in kickboxing, uh, Dale Apollo Cook, and uh, one of the uh, great unsung heroes of American martial arts cinema, Ron Hall, uh, which coincidentally enough, Viking Samurai is actually going to be releasing uh, an interview with him. So I'm looking forward to that. And I'm pretty sure I saw him at the new Beverly screening uh, that we just went to, but he was like outside and I was going to the bathroom and I was like, I think that's him because I missed him at the last one. Didn't get to meet him. Ron Hall, if you're listening, we, we got to shake hands one of these days. I'm a huge fan. Anywho. So I was watching that film and it's supposed to start off as like they're in America, but it's very mm-hmm. evident that they're not. They are in the Philippines already or wherever they're filming. But anyways, I digress. So back to Lady Dragon. So yeah, Lady Lady Dragon is sort of the perfect film. Think of think of essentially uh, Jean Claude Van Damme's Kickboxer mm-hmm. because so much of the is so much of the script. It, it, it's a very similar script, although the read there have been a couple of bad turns in Cynthia Rothrock's life before she seeks out a trainer in the in the jungle. The first turn right. is her husband is killed. Her husband's a CIA agent killed. She's now the she's now in the Philippines. I'm guessing Indonesia, Thailand. I think it's Indonesia. I don't know. I only watched that like opening sequence. So okay. So now and then, obviously, she's seeking revenge on the person who she thinks was responsible for killing. Something bad happens to her. You know, trigger warning. Sometimes bad things happen in these films. You don't necessarily see too much because it is Cynthia, a Cynthia Rothrock film. So uh, she's then is discarded in the in the jungle, and then she starts her training sequence. There are some hokey. There are some hokey elements to this film. Uh, but there are also some great action sequences and great training sequences. We don't generally get a lot of martial art films with Cynthia Rothrock seeing her train. Mm-hmm. We get those films with Jean-Claude Van Damme. We get those films with almost any Hong Kong star. Most notably, you can you can look back at Fearless Hyena, Drunken Master with Jackie Chan. But, I mean, you always see these extended, crazy training sequences with our lead martial arts stars. 
This is, I think, the only time that I can recall, the only time that I recall where Cynthia Rothrock has that opportunity to show off what she's physically capable of through these outlandish training sequences. Um, and of course, do more bad things happen to her? Yes, the village gets like attacked and she has to go on, on a revenge. Uh, she goes undercover. Uh, spoiler alert, uh, there are two villains in this film. Uh, one villain is supposed to have been her uh, husband's friend, played by Robert Gintry, uh, or Ginty. And then uh, the other villain, thankfully, is pay, played by a very charismatic uh, Richard Norton, who knows how to work with Cynthia. Now, we've seen Richard Norton work with her as a partner. Uh, rarely do we get to see them work against each other. And I think because of that familiarity, again, just like the Undefeatable finale, we get a really well shot maybe slightly high, uh, hyper-edited, but a really well-shot uh, fight sequence uh, between Richard and Cynthia. Uh, and it, that kind of le that level of fight is probably one of the best straight-to-video martial art fights from an American cinema perspective um, that I can think of. I think you might have to throw, I might have to throw in a few caveats to back that up, but it is a great finale between uh, antagonist and villain. Well, man, this is why I really wanted to rewatch it. Cause as a kid, I saw it on TBS, I think, uh, you know, edited for TV at that time. Once again, it was during this peak period where I was already super into Hong Kong cinema and already seen like all of mm -hmm. Cynthia's Hong Kong work. So I kind of brushed it over in a sense, but also I tried, I watched the opening sequence on YouTube. I found a version, but once again, it's, as I said, not high enough quality for me, but I watched that opening yeah. sequence and just her walking into that warehouse fight scene, the way that shot in slow motion and stuff. I'm like, okay, this movie has something special to it. That whole opening fight sequence, unfortunately, that's when it gets super pixelated anytime action comes on. I couldn't really... Mm -hmm. It was, and I liked it. I was like, man, this is good. And I wish I could find a good version of it. And unfortunately, I just don't have one. I'm looking forward to uh, finding one somewhere. You know, I, maybe I'll buy a DVD, even if they don't have it for the American market. Now that I have a region free player, I'll pick some one up and uh, hopefully I'll be able to rewatch it and enjoy it. And I had a feeling if I did get the chance to watch it, it would have made my list. But it, 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 it could have. It could have. I, 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 I kind of know the other films you, I'm guessing I know the other films you have on your list. I, this is the one film that I thought you would have left off and the one film I left off right. is, is what's going to be on your list. But that's my guess. We'll, we'll see what, what reveals. But I, I, I just think, again, this is her in a starring vehicle. There's some great sequences shot throughout the film. There's a sequence where she has to go back to her hotel to get some money or get some, uh, get, get some of her belongings. And she's going along on a, a chase sequence. It just has a nice neo-film noir feel to it at that point mm. there's also a great training sequence that we see for our villain uh, uh, Richard Norton going against his uh, he has some guys training him we've seen these sequences before Craig T. Nelson has a very kind of famous one where he fights uh, some villains uh, some people who are training him in Action Jackson I was about to say Richard, wait Craig T. Nelson's in this and then I realized what you were no, going to no, talk no. about yeah, yeah. So, I believe uh, it's Richard, uh, James Liu is one of the ones he's uh, training with in Action Jackson if I'm not mistaken yeah so uh, Richard Norton basically is almost has a, a very similar sequence, except, man, is he good on film. And as a villain, he's just like whip kicking guys. I, I, I'll be honest, I did not watch it this week. I knew it would make my top five. So I'm just relying on memory a little bit. Hey. But I remember some great, great uh, body kicks, check, check kicks. I mean, there's one sequence where one of the guys tries to kick him and he blocks it and you see this annoyance on his face where it's just like, 
a villain would be annoyed that he had to take that impact and then he gives it back to the guy. Nice. Yeah, no, uh, we've seen some most of these movies enough where as I, I I rewatch about three or four of them like even ones that didn't make my list to make sure some of these I already knew they were going to be on there I don't need to rewatch them as much as I'd love to uh, but it's also finding the time so any final notes on Lady Dragon no cool. I, 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 like I said it's a starring vehicle then let's go into my number four and your number three Writing wrongs, aka above the law. So we've talked about this movie multiple times. Kind of like how Undefeatable was so inspirational for you to seek out Sifu Don. Writing wrongs was one of the movies that eventually made me seek out Peter Sugarfoot Cunningham, our sensei, mm-hmm. my coach. Uh, you know, the one that's led me uh, to the success I've had. But uh, obviously, writing wrongs and uh, no retreat, no surrender. But yeah, writing wrongs. So this is truly a co-starring role for her. She is the co-star. The lead is Yuen Biao. Uh, the antagonist, obviously, Melvin Wong. And then she is the main co-star. You've got other co-stars in there. Obviously, director Corey Yun, uh, Wu Ma, uh, all sorts of great supporting players. Uh, but she is, It's as I said, this is right on the border where she it most definitely qualifies under our caveats for this list. Had it been any less, she wouldn't have. But she is truly a great co-star in this film. This is the kind of one where uh, the amount of time she has, the amount of presence, she could get nominated for a Best Supporting Actor type nomination. Now, Writing Wrongs, we've talked about it multiple times. It's like one of the greatest uh, 80s Hong Kong action films ever made. Like maybe we talked about this before, the best not starring Jackie or Samo or, uh, you know, I feel like Donnie didn't really hit his stride till later, obviously. I mean, the 2000s really were, even though he's been around since the 80s and we love a lot of his 80s movies, the big three, the big, you know, the dragons were Jackie, Sammo, and Yuen Biao. So Writing Wrongs is probably the best one to not have either Jackie or Sammo in it uh, and not be a Shaw Brothers film. Not, you know, it's just Yuen Biao taking the lead. It's his starring vehicle. Uh, his greatest film and we just have so many phenomenal fight sequences Cynthia Rothrock has so many great fight sequences a fight sequence against Yuen Biao uh, a classic fight sequence against Karen Shepard we have her fighting in the Mahjong parlor we have her in the finale and it's just a incredible role uh, where it's not like she's supposed to be the star and falls short she's most definitely uh, the co-star she gets to show her stuff mm-hmm. she gets to just excel in this hong kong style choreography she looks incredible once again under the direction of Corey yuan and most likely hoi mong again if i uh, i didn't really do the research but i'm guessing he's probably on there as a fight choreographer uh and she looks really good uh the moves are crisp and clean you really see her power uh she I like it because it's like she still has that fish out of water element as the, you know, foreign police chief or, or I mean, detective or whatever. Uh, and I feel like we she does get to display it's a, it's a unique character for her because it's like it's kind of that that middle ground of she's definitely a good guy, but she's also antagonistic towards our lead because she is just there's no gray area for her. Right. And this film is yep. all about that gray area of you know taking justice into your own hands and she just just does not see that at all it's it's you either follow the law or you go to jail and so you kind of get to see an evolution in her character as the film progresses and she kind of is forced to uh embrace this gray zone uh whether she wants to or not so you kind of it's a nice performance by her but once again obviously in this era everybody was dubbed especially a uh uh, Guaylo, you know, a foreigner that didn't speak Cantonese, but you still get to see her kind of uh, do well in the acting department in that sense. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, I, I would say, like, 
you know, unlike say city cops where <laughs> yeah. she pops in and out and another great example in, of her just yeah. being kind of, you know, let's bring her in for the action. And then now she's gone. Yeah. So she's in for the action. She's in for the comedy or, or Prince on the Prince, uh, Prince of the sun. Or, yep, exactly. Another stellar mm-hmm. example of that. What what she does in this film is she's actually a driving force. Mm-hmm. Her her character is necessary. We we've talked about this uh, already a little bit in Lady Dragon, but more so in Under Undefeatable. Uh, the idea is that she is she's one of the pillars of the script, which is why this film is on the top five list. It's also probably probably her best film arguably or the best film that she's in arguably because we've already mentioned that this is one of the best films from that decade and i think there are a couple other films that are up there uh that are in that decade but you know we're, we're on record as really loving this film for personal reasons eventually you know i remember when i was training with sensei benny the jet and walking through and i saw that 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 room in the corner where Peter Sugar for Cunningham was training. I'm like, uh, that's uh, that's who I think it is. That's the room I would like to be in. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, with no disrespect meant for anybody else. But I mean, come on. You saw, I got to see, you know, Sensei Petey working with some fighters in there. I'm like, this guy is amazing. Uh, which he is. Anyway, uh, to focus specifically in on Cynthia Rothrock, because we have spoken so much about writing wrongs, it is about what a good co-star she is. Mm-hmm. And I think this is really entirely overlooked because so often, so often we see her in martial art films and as, as, as an educated film audience, we don't always give martial art films their due credit. We also don't see what what an important role Cynthia Rothrock played, even in films like uh, Martial Law, for instance, where she's talking with uh, Chad McQueen, she's giving to him and her presence as a real martial artist in these fight sequences and in the film helps lift up the rest of the film. She does that so importantly in writing wrongs. Uh, Yun Biao in his starring vehicle without any Jackie or Samuel presence, uh, I'm not going to say needed, but thrived by having Melvin Wong presence, mm-hmm. by thrived by having Cynthia Rothrock present. Uh, He's Karen able to Shepherd. feed off of their energy. I mean, yeah, the, the, and they, yeah. And, and they give so much. Like, there's something special about her. Her, you, you can say what you want about her acting. Sometimes her acting might not be as layered as, as, as say, a, uh, a mainstream actress, but I'm going to say this. She is one of the most giving co-stars on screen, whether it's in a fight sequence, whether it's in a uh, antagonistic dialogue sequence like she had with uh, Yuen Biao, or whether it's in uh, a sequence where you're, she's just sitting down at a diner talking with uh, a co-star. There is this, there is this uh, author- authenticity in her performances uh, and it's really on showcase here in Writing Wrong. She knows when to be funny and she knows when to be hard. And she she just has this innate uh, sense. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, I mean, any closing thoughts? Uh no, I, I, I have a guess on what your next one so, on the list is. And real quick note, Writing Wrongs. Uh, there's the Dragon Dynasty release, which you can still typically find on eBay or something that they did like 10 or 12 years ago. Uh, but uh, they're going to be re-releasing it this year with an interview with 
Peter Sugarfoot Cunningham that I helped arrange. So <laughs> that'll be Eureka 88 film. So once again, you need a all region coded player for that. However, the film is available right now on the Hiya app on Prime, a fantastic version of it. So very easily accessible at this moment in time. So my number three, now that we've already done your number three, which was writing wrongs, you have a feeling what my number three is going to be. I, I certainly do. I think it, it, and this is why I think even if uh, you had seen a good copy of uh, Lady Dragon, Lady Dragon wouldn't be on the list. Well, I think you might be surprised. So my number three, this one bounced from number two to number one, back to number three, mostly just because of how discombobulated of a film it is. However, okay. it's uh, equivalent to what you were saying about Lady Dragon being her big solo American film where there's no one else writing her coattails. She doesn't really need a co-star and it's like her picture. This is the equivalent for her of Hong Kong cinema. And that is the blonde fury, AKA lady reporter. Okay. This film made my list as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, My number two, my number two. Oh, well then, well, hey, then, uh, <laughs> let's talk about, uh, Oh, it's your number two and we've already done your number three. Yeah, because my writing wrongs, right? Yeah, yeah, perfect. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so then, wow, we're we're right on track. Uh, okay. Okay. Then. So I just thought that I thought the discrepancy was going to take place at a different point. Okay. Well, so there we go. So my number three is your number two. Uh, perfect timing. The Blonde Fury. Now, uh, this film. So this is so Cynthia Rothrock is you know is famous for being like the first foreign martial arts star of Hong Kong cinema. It can be argued that really Ron Van Cleef was the first in the 70s, but I think mm -hmm. in that sense, his films were slightly lower budget. This was still the 70s, you know. This is, we're talking about 80s contemporary Hong Kong cinema, the golden age of Golden Harvest, uh, and obviously some other, like uh, Cinema City, you had DMB Films, uh, I mean, Golden Harvest up until the mid, excuse me, uh, Shaw Brothers up until the mid 80s, but this is like the peak of Hong Kong cinema. So not only is she the first foreign star, previous mentioned film, she's a co-star, she's a featured player. This was the one film where she was the star. No, nobody else with her. It's her. It's her on all the advertising like the other films, but it's like her. It is her film. It is her movie. Uh, it is her project. Uh, and it is The Blonde Fury, a.k.a. Lady Reporter. So it's from 1989, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, she's pretty much plays an undercover cop slash FBI agent slash whatever subtitles you're reading or whichever audio version you're listening to, uh, who goes undercover in a newspaper printing or a newspaper company that's uh, making counterfeit money. Now this film notoriously had a bunch of reshoots, which, uh, multiple actors featured in the film have talked about on podcasts and so forth. And I think for me, most specifically, uh, Vincent Lin uh, talked about it on his episode he did with uh, Sifu Alex on the Kung Fu Genius, where his whole sequence, him and Jeffrey Falcon, uh, that was all part of the reshoots. That wasn't part of the original movie, which means that whole opening sequence was a reshoot because it shows all their files and like, you know, these are the villains and blah, 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 blah. But the, there's a ton of incongruous elements throughout this film, sometimes within the same scene, not even scene by scene, within the same scene. Hairstyles change multiple times for both Cynthia Rothrock, her mm -hmm. co-star, uh, is it Judy <laughs> Lee, I think, her, uh, the, both of them. But Cynthia Rothrock's is like completely different hair colors within the I same like scene short, sometimes. Long, blonde, short, long, blonde, red. blonde, brown, uh, perm, no perm. Uh, and so a lot of that has to do with the fact that they probably went back and reshot stuff. I'd imagine the plot had some major changes because the whole finale, that whole finale with Vincent Lynn and stuff, which is incredible, that was part of a reshoot. 
And yeah, that, that, that is a fantastic finale. Yeah. And so now that we've gotten that out of the way, the kind of, uh, uh, once again, incongruous nature of the, the film itself, the discombobulation of the plot. And I mean, it flows well enough as much as you need to. The main thing. So, and that's another reason why it didn't get higher on my list because as an overall film, it's not as good uh, as, and for example, it's nowhere near as good as a film of writing as writing wrongs, but it only got higher right. because it's her starring role. Uh, exactly. And exactly. that's part of our caveat. So like writing wrongs is a million times better as a movie, but this is her starring role. This is the Cynthia Rothrock movie. That being said in the action department, it's possible when rewatching it uh, yesterday and this morning, uh, she she maybe has never looked better than in some of the sequences in this movie. That's, it's funny that you say that because that is exactly what I was saying. I was rewatching sequences and she just looks so freaking good on camera. Her fight sequences, and I know there are a few other fight sequences that are that el- that are might be slightly elevated, but as an overall picture, despite the shooting schedule. She looked really good. Yeah, there's there's something very now. Some of the other films maybe had slightly crisper fight scenes in some aspects, or this or that. And I mean, but there's something just about her actual. I feel like this is her best kickboxing performance because I've always said mm. she struggled a little bit with the hands in a lot of movies. A phenomenal kicker, incredible when she got to just do straight kung fu, and like she had more of like. Tong Sudo or karate style punches. That's her background, right? But this film, they do a really good job of uh, kind of giving her more structure in the upper body elements, the way she positions her hands, uh, you know, from a kickboxing perspective, you know, like hands up, chin level, a lot of, you know, she's throwing like straight punches where the other hand will be up. She's throwing hooks, like actual more like box, even if they're slightly exaggerated for camera, more like, you know, not just one hand's down at her waist and she's winging the other arm. There's a there's a little more fluidity to her hands in this and what would be like the, the boxing or kickboxing element, the way she throws her power kicks set up with the hands, the like the, the structure of the kicks, the combination are very much more kickboxing based and I feel mm-hmm. like that's something that definitely shines in this film is it do you think the the reason why this one is slightly elevated is by this point is probably the third time that Hoi Ming has worked with her at least that could very and, well be it and, and, I, it's, I, and it's, the fact that he directed it as well he had full yes. control uh I mean there, there's all sorts of different elements that well, could have no, and, but, and let's mean, look also, at the year, 1989. So we've already yeah. had all these other movies. You've already, and, and then there's even the presence of someone like, and I, I don't know, this is just a total hypothesis that may have no merit to it, but like you've got people like Billy Chow on set, right? World I know. kickboxing and champion. The, the, the fight sequence that she has at the end is really uh, the fight sequence that I would have loved to have seen in Armor of God, where mm. Jackie's fighting the three Amazonians with high heels. It's yep. like, okay, that's pretty good. Let's let, let's show you what. Oh, you're talking about when she fights heels. the Tie Fighter. Yes. Yeah. So it's not the end. That's yeah, uh, not the end. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Not yeah. Of course, not the end. But one of the one of the fi- that I feel like it's uh, it's kind of I at the midpoint. It. It's when yeah, they're yeah, but like, but when she has this like this really nice one on one fight yes. sequence that could have been a final oh, fight. Oh, easy. And she yeah. does the whole run against the wall thing where yeah, and that's her. You can tell when she lands. You're like, how they they maybe did it with a wire assist. Either which way, it's very impressive. Well, and you know, the, the, maybe the, also the other advantage that Blonde Fury had over, let's say, righting wrongs is she was probably not injured at this time, 
writing wrong, she had that. She was carrying that injury, had to fight uh, Southpaw or reverse. And even in Magic Crystal, remember, she was she re-injured herself of an injury she had just gotten. And and in Millionaire's Express. Yes. So some of her greatest performances, she was hindered by severe injuries. And so this this is her kind of free from injury and just able to flow on camera and working with Hoi Ming at least three times in a row with, as you mentioned, Hoi Ming in full control, Billy Chow on set, yep. the TIE fighter sequence. It's just really. And then, I mean, the whole final sequence is a set piece that's based upon like her. Yeah. And the, the interesting part is, uh, so, yes, she's going to be doubled at some points, but unlike other very evident doubling in some of the other movies, even like in Writing Wrong when Yuen Biao doubles her in the Mahjong sequence, I feel like you're not seeing as much here. And there's some sequences where you're like, oh, that's a double. But then you see the landing and it's her. You're like, oh, it's not a double. You know, so maybe that like you theorize it has to do with the fact that she came into this one much more physically capable uh, and fit in a sense because she didn't have any lingering injuries or kind of had gotten over some of them. But there's there's just something in this film uh, is also the the sequences uh, are accentuated, in my opinion, by a great soundtrack. Now, for example, a lot of both Hong Kong and the American Hong Kong co-productions and even uh, aforementioned Undefeatable on Honor and Glory feature the music of the fantastic Richard Yuen. Right. Very distinct yes. sound borrowed soundtrack in a lot of these films, the D&B films, etc. This one has a great soundtrack that's very unique to this film. It's like they it had its own uh musical score and style that really kind of added this uh it heightened the fight scenes in a way uh you know and i i'm i don't have the musical background to go into depth about what instruments are being used but it's kind of like you've got uh, like a percussion and a, a wind uh based instrument that kind of adds that uh it has like an Asian aesthetic to it. Right. And, but it's fast paced and it, it just kind of helps add to the overall ambiance of the film and the action sequences. I, I agree completely. It's a, it's, it's, if this had been a Western release, this would have been a major blockbuster in the West. I mean, obviously there would have been some cleaning up of like the different hairstyles, but a little <laughs> more, there would have been a script supervisor to deal with that. But um, but they did have the Burger King product placement. (laughs) I forgot about that. Uh, But yeah, any any closing notes? Well, the truth is we could be talking about this movie in the first spot, anywhere between the first and the third spot, really. Yeah, it's it's that good of a film. And it, it, it is it fluctuated up and down for me, too. It suffers just from some of the typical elements of Hong Kong cinema, uh, probably not a set script or even no shooting script. Uh some reshoots, which we benefited from, some amazing sequences, but also in that sense, a kind of incoherent plot at some points. Uh, some more hokey comedic elements. Uh, nothing too, nothing Wong Jing esque, uh, or or the uh, Mole Dao like you know style like or Stephen Chow. Uh, uh, but maybe, maybe, just, so maybe just some, some 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 comedy that borders on city cops or Karl yeah, Maka. Yeah, just kind of like uh yeah, so no like the the mole tao, you know, like obnoxiousness, but just kind of uh, doesn't really, you know, stand the test of time. But so yeah. that's kind of one of the reasons why it drops down to my number 3 and your number 2, correct? Correct. So now in that case, we'll go into my number 2. Which could be my number one or it's it could not. be the one I left off. Our number okay. one is the same. I can already tell you now. I've figured this out. So my number two is <laughs> China O'Brien. 
Yes. And that counts one and two. They were shot back to back. They're practically like one long movie in a sense. Uh, some actors come back in the second one as completely different characters. Now, China O'Brien, uh, once again, bounced around for me. It bounced around. It was maybe going to be number one. Because for me, this film is what what Lady Dragon was for you. This is what it is for me in her American mm-hmm. film. And uh, For American films, this is... And overall, I'd say of all of her films, Hong Kong, American, this is the quintessential Cynthia Rothrock film uh, series, in a sense. Uh, Now, The Blonde Fury could have been that. It unfortunately fell short in that sense. It's still a phenomenal movie. But China O'Brien was Golden Harvest. So she's working with Golden Harvest, the company that, uh, you know, technically, I believe it was technically... Golden Harvest that was doing the recruiting for a new star, but then D&B is the one that made, yes, uh, Madam, her first starring role. But uh, either which way, Golden Harvest, which had pretty much given her her career in Hong Kong, decides let's make a vehicle for her. Yes, there's rumors out there that supposedly this movie was originally for Jackie Chan. That could have just been, you know, who knows what. But it's a starring vehicle for her. Uh, Now, for me, it's definitely a nostalgia factor. As you said, you've only seen like an old VHS copy. For years, that's all I had was my taped off mm-hmm. of TV uh, mm-hmm. version where it was both films back to back and I wore out that VHS tape. I watched that VHS tape on my drive down to Los Angeles in the fall of 2001. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. My mom had a Yukon at that time that had a you know built-in VCR and TV and it was like a five-plus-hour drive. I remember watching both films on the way down there before getting to meet both Cynthia Rothrock and Richard Norton. Oh, and it well, was, I mean, it was incredible. Keep in mind, I'm 14 at that time. It's like, whoa, ba- based on, based on that alone, the fact that, I mean, this could easily be number one, that nostalgia factor is so humongous. I mean, to, to, to meet them after you're binge watching them yep. on a drive down to meet them. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's a lot of things came into play there. Uh, so, yeah, the, the film, it's uh, technically a Hong Kong American co-production. Unlike other ones, it very much has an American feel aside from mm-hmm. the fight sequences, which are uh, definitely of that Hong Kong style. Now, the films yeah. were directed by Robert Klaus, most famous for having directed Enter the Dragon. Uh, so, once again, nothing really stellar or superior in his directing abilities, but he can obviously conduct a uh good action film a coherent action film but really it's and the the plot is definitely borrowed from walking tall uh which has been borrowed numerous times in films you know the idea of uh pretty much she's a city she's a big city cop that decides to quit after she you know kills a kid in self-defense goes back home her dad the sheriff is murdered she decides to run for sheriff and clean up her small town uh and then the second film you know has a wacky plot to whatever. Uh, but we're, we're mostly <laughs> fo- focusing on the first one here. And so she's supported by Richard Norton and Keith Cook, Hirabayashi, former guest of the show, incredible uh, martial arts performer. So we have these three fantastic martial artists and we get a bunch of fight sequences, like a ton. Uh, we have some great Hong Kong style choreography. Now the choreographer is listed as a guy named Nigel and, uh, I, I, it's still kind of mysterious to me. I'd imagine there was maybe this individual, maybe the Hong Kong stunt crew, a lot of contributing factors. When you have someone, or you have two people like Cynthia Rothrock and Richard Norton, who had spent the last few years primarily working in Hong Kong, have all this experience. You have someone like Keith Cook, a phenomenal uh, forms performer that is definitely going to be familiar with uh, not only 
martial arts cinema, but Chinese martial arts in specific as a wushu champion, uh, you, you have a lot of creative minds and that's why we get these fantastic fight sequences. Now we have some good solid stuntmen, but what we don't really get ever really in both films is like a solid one-on-one fight sequence because we mm-hmm. don't really have any, uh, antagonistics uh antagonists of stellar martial arts quality yes billy blanks pops up as a stuntman in the second one <laughs> and get uh, has a short little one-on-one with keith cook uh but for the most part it's like group fight sequences but they work we have a great like barroom brawl uh the bar, we, the, yeah the bar the, I'm, I'm sorry to interject yeah. here but i like the, you know you're you're so familiar with this with yes. these films i'm not as familiar i've watched them the barroom brawl stands out Mm -hmm. as just as one of the top barroom brawl sequences. It's just so clean the way the, the, you know, the punches and the kicks are happening. It's just fantastic. And you know, you know who it features. Oh, he also pops up in number two. So he is one of the stunt men that has, uh, you know, more of a reputation and he's a good martial artist. And he is, uh, one of your favorite performers from rage and honor. Oh, Petey? No. Uh, oh. He fights against Richard. Uh, uh, <sighs> oh, yeah. Uh, Obata-sensei. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Crazy. So he pops uh, yeah. up in there. But uh, I'm 99% sure it's him. But uh, yeah, the, the bar sequence is great. It's a great, like, off- <laughs> she like breaks a water pitcher on a dude's head, though, and it makes like a yep. punching sound effect, you know, little things like that. But so the, the film is a, a classic straight to video uh, represent like it's a great representation of that classic area of straight to video like we had mentioned before we mentioned that with undefeatable this one it's it's definitely not exploitive it's just a straightforward like action film we've got this strong female protagonist backed up by two amazing co-stars we've got kind of it's got it's pretty much a combination between like walking tall and roadhouse a lot of elements of roadhouse too and just like the evil villain and uh like the setting of the story and so forth and for me it's just that that movie this is the this was the launching pad for cynthia rothrock in america too this was the segue film out of Hong Kong into America. So at this point, she was still doing both, but it became before where it was like 99% uh, Hong Kong, a couple of random movies she did with like George Chung and Leo Fong in America. This is this was the beginning of the end for Hong Kong uh, in a perfect transition period because as we all know, in the early mid nineties, that's when they a lot of the Guai Lo performers stopped having work in Hong Kong due to the inevitable shift in uh, film production based off of the upcoming handover in 1997. And so the the kind of films that were becoming popular were trying to be focused more on the mainland. Obviously, you still have the big superstars like Jackie making their movies, but a lot, there's a shift over, obviously, to like the Once Upon a Time in China series, period set mm-hmm. films. So it was at this point, she still did some Hong Kong ones, obviously like City Cops, I believe it was after this, Prince of the Sun, uh, you know, stuff like that. But really, this was the beginning of her kind of segueing into that American uh, martial arts cinema career. It, it, it's the script, the setting. It's familiar. I think it takes place in Pennsylvania, which could be anywhere. Utah. Oh, it's, oh, really? I thought it took a place in Pennsylvania. No, nope. it's been a while. Yep. But I mean, that's where they I, shot it. At least I don't think they ever specifically say, but it's shot in I, Utah. I always, I always felt like she drove from New York. But like again, I'm a little murky on this topic, and I'm sorry. I just knew that this was going to be in my in my honorable mention because Lady Dragon was going to make it. You couldn't have both on on this list. Uh, but it it's familiar. It's familiar. It's middle America uh, territory, familiar script. 
Now we're going to introduce you to Cynthia Rothwack. She's been doing something amazing over in Hong Kong. We're going to introduce it to you. And it's a great introduction. It's a great film. Uh, it's a fun film. Uh, there's a reason maybe Lady Dragon is like four or five on my list. And China O'Brien would have to be higher. And it's just because of the... Kind of, this is kind of a groundbreaking film. Mm-hmm. And the, the, nice, the nice part is for viewers that haven't seen it yet, uh, some of our – and because sometimes people uh, reach out to me about like, oh, we, you know, I want to start watching some Cynthia Rothrock ones. You're going to get some great Hong Kong style fights. Now, are they as clean and crisp as some of her Hong Kong movies? Absolutely not. But they're still great. They're a lot of fun, fast paced, intricate choreography, good cutting and editing. But at the same time, it's also much – uh, more digestible for new viewers of the genre. So if you've never watched a martial arts film and you step into a really fast-paced Hong Kong fight sequence, you might be a little lost and overwhelmed, like, whoa, what's going on here? Depending on the style, depending on the filmmaker, this one, anybody could sit down and enjoy these fight sequences, right? Whether you're a Absolutely. fan of the Hong Kong uh, genre or the American, like kind of, quote-unquote, sometimes slower choreography, or, you know, you can. there's something for everybody to appreciate here. You are not going to be bored. Absolutely. Okay. Speaking of of not going to be bored, what do you think her number one movie is? You mean your number one, my number one? I believe we have the same choice here. Uh, really, I'm I'm you know I'm I'm not surprised. Tiger Claws two. What? I have Tiger Claws three, dog. <laughs> I Lauren Avedon's in Tiger Claws three, my man. We got to go with Tiger Claws three. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, I, I was actually going to say, but I couldn't think of the name of it. What's the the one I can never finish uh, that you always joke is her best movie? Oh, my goodness. What is it? Where she's the bodyguard. The... Oh, oh. I know it. I know it. Um... Hold on. We both. And this, it just killed my joke because that was the one I was going to say. Uh, Guardian Angel. Guardian Angel. Yeah. Sorry, Sworn. Cynthia Rothrock. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we, we love you, but that one, both of us, I feel like we've never been able to finish. But no, our number one is Yes, Madam. Absolutely. And here's the deal. So she is definitely the co-star of this movie. Uh, does Michelle Yeoh have more screen time? Does she have the bigger presence? Yes, because she she wasn't necessarily a star at this point, but she is obviously the local actress. Uh, you know, Cynthia Rothrock's coming in as the brand new unknown Guaylo, you know, uh, actor, but she is definitely the co-star. It is a buddy cop film in a sense, but there's something about Yes, Madam is, as I mentioned before, a D&B production directed by Corey Ewan. And there was this very unique production quality to these films, whether it was Yes, Madam, Royal Warriors, uh, Magnificent Warriors, uh, the in, in the Line of Duty series. They, they play it pretty straightforward. There is some like, you know, every once in a while, lighter comical elements, but it's <clears> it's just a one-off thing. It's not like sequences of this. So they're, they, they, they play it straight. They're very kind of dark in a sense, very serious. As I mentioned before, fantastic music, fantastic production quality. They're just very, they stand the test of time also. They're very unique. When you watch these films, you know it's Hong Kong cinema. You know what I mean? It can just be an opening sequence of the city landscape or even something not distinct to Hong Kong. And you know, okay, this is a Hong Kong production from the 80s. And I mean that in the best kind of way. These are the kind of films I get excited to watch every time. These are the films that drove me to want to go to Hong Kong uh, and you know study martial arts and so forth. But yes, madam, 
is overall just it's one of those movies too that whether you're a fan of the genre or not or i've never seen a hong kong movie you can put this movie on and it is a stellar quality film in my opinion uh it's this is a film that's kind of essentially will blow your mind and it's it's much like uh its similarities with writing wrongs obviously is core yoon or our core yoon uh uh and Cynthia Rothrock. This is this this. If we were to make a top ten list or a top five list, absolutely a top five list of films without Jackie and Sammo uh, in the eighties that are well top five. This would be in it. Mm-hmm. If you're going to make a top ten list of Hong Kong films in the eighties, I'm sorry to I'm sorry to I'm not going to hesitate. This is in it. This could be even yeah. in it for the top five. This is a really phenomenal film uh it's it uh it's cutting it it's it's cutting edge with its choreography i believe or and its stunts Mm -hmm. uh you know and again like you're right uh she's more of the co-star more of the supporting star but she surely shines in that final fight sequence to the point where she be in many ways she becomes the the main protagonist during the fight sequence, particularly with her work with uh, Dick Way. Well, first of all, and again, yeah, her her. I, whole, I am moving fast. Yeah, her whole sequence is phenomenal, but it's actually it's more like Michelle Yeoh gets some of the more intricate kind of creative choreography in certain parts. I feel like simply because Cynthia Rothrock was the better martial arts performer, she's already like one of the most decorated martial arts champions in the world for forms. Uh, and especially Chinese martial arts. But that finale, and we've talked about this, is one of the greatest, if not the greatest finales ever uh, in martial arts cinema. And we, we, we definitely have talked about yeah, it. Yeah, there's just something so clean about everything in that film. The lines, the movement, the camera work, the sound effects, the impact, the real hard-hitting nature of these fight sequences. And to come in and this be your first movie on top of that? Like she had had no previous uh, like uh, experience. I think she had done a KFC commercial by this point. Well, and, and you know what's funny is like, I don't know if Blonde Fury was her last Hong Kong film. No, it was I not. I don't believe it was. But it was her last lead role Hong yes. Kong film. And similar to Yes, Madam, what we, the other similarity we're seeing in both of these is a very healthy Cynthia Rothrock yes. on film. Uh, and so it makes you wonder, well, Cynthia hadn't, was it a knee injury, I think, on writing wrongs or a She's had a She had a lingering uh, knee injury. Uh, and I think that's the one on uh, uh, in a Millionaire's Express, and then I believe in Magic Crystal was a hamstring one. I could be off, but so uh, yeah, there's there's a there's a sequence, uh, the period in her career where right in the middle she's doing some great films where she's hampered by injury still comes through. But these two films, seeing her injury free, I mean, we get to see one of the top performers and you know i'm just going to slide off this i guess madam topic for just a second then we can slip back to it earlier you were mentioning how she might be one of the greatest martial artists on film uh in film history i think that's completely arguable i would say of all the of many of the martial art films particularly western martial art films uh film actors uh from the 80s and 90s we see inconsistencies in their career choices. Yes, that happens in action in action with action stars' career tra- trajectories, but also in 
in their choreography and performance on screen. Mm. We don't see that from Cynthia Rothrock. Is there maybe some slowing here or there? Did she have to shift a stance because of injury? Was maybe her, uh, you know, are there any dips here or there throughout her career because of camera angles and her just having to carry a, a scene? Perhaps, but we do not see a dip from this very first movie, Yes, Madam, through uh, one of her, you know, more recent films uh, like uh, Martial Art Kid. We're seeing a consistency in her being able to perform on screen. Yeah. Agreed. And the, the interesting part is uh, when she was on Scott Atkins, The Art of Action, right? He mm-hmm. straight up says, and he's like, I mean, this is no offense, but you're you're like one of, especially when he watches her old wushu performances and form performances, he's like, you're one of the most explosive performers I've ever seen because most women don't have that same explosive power in both their aerial movements and their kicks, right? Because obviously having done wushu, Early on, she, you know, did like, you know, the somersaults and this and that and her ability to jump up explosively in the air and kick. He straight up said most female performers can't do that. Uh, Quincy enough, Michelle Yeoh is one that I feel like naturally was able to do that. But once again, being healthy, like you mentioned, being the very beginning of her career. So she had just literally come out of competition. She Mm -hmm. still had she was at the peak of her abilities. And so that transcends on the screen, especially in these Hong Kong roles uh, throughout the 80s. And she has this unique ability because let's look at previous female martial arts stars. Like I love Angela Mao and Angela Mao was a fantastic kicker. I was just rewatching when when Taekwondo Strikes, one of my favorites, which is now in the Mm -hmm. Hayah app, a very clean version of it, which I've never been able to watch. So I'm excited. You see her do some kicking in the opening sequence, uh, like kind of doing a kata. And it's like, yeah, she's a great kicker. But there's something different about the explosiveness of Cynthia Rothrock, the power, right? Obviously, she was not a fighter in real life. That was not, I'm sure she did point fighting, but she, I think, could have uh, had the ability to be a very explosive fighter just off of her physical abilities she demonstrated within her martial arts performances and her on-screen roles. And that shows in the finale when you've got her going against a guy like Dick Way, a phenomenal Taekwondo performer in his own right. Uh, And so, yeah, just overall, this movie is just so good. Is it like, do you think of it as a Cynthia Rothrock film? Not necessarily. I think of it just as a classic Hong Kong film. And there's nothing wrong with that because she is the co-star of this film. Uh, you know, if anything, you can argue Michelle Yeoh is the star. Okay, no worries. Cynthia Rothrock is the co-star. But guess what? Some actors have been known exclusively as co-stars their entire career and are some of the greatest actors of all time, right? But in this case, I just feel that, yes, Madam has to be number one. Uh, and one of the greatest Hong Kong action films ever made. It, it's a complete package. And based on the other films that you and I picked as our number two, our number three, uh, you know, as much as like I would love to like slide writing wrongs into the number one slot. Yes, Madam is the perfect and complete package when it comes to tell me, tell me a great, tell me the greatest Cynthia Rothrock martial arts film. Tell me the greatest Cynthia Rothrock film. Yeah, here it is. I did misspeak a little bit earlier or I misspoke because uh, there is a slight bit of there is some comical elements throughout this film. Obviously, you have the cameo by Sammo Hung as, you know, with the three old masters in the retirement home and the whole Choi Hark, like Choi Hark's presence mm-hmm. is 
you know, kind of more light and comical in certain elements, but it still plays out well in the movie. It is not like we mentioned that kind of standard Hong Kong comical fare. It's just a little more lightheartedness light yeah. to the film. But that's guess what? That is also a setup for some of the darkness and tragedy that comes later. Yeah, you, you you need you need a little balance to yeah. be able to get to that point. You need a you need a little levity, a little release. Uh, so, do you have any final thoughts on on Sensei Rothrock? Sensei Rothrock. She, she, she's never been our sensei. She's never been our That's sensei. Uh, you know, the funny part is no one really addresses her like that in anything. She's had schools in the past, but she hasn't really had the presence as being known as an instructor, right? I mean, she's opened up schools. She has been an instructor early in her career, of course. But, I mean, that's not what she's known for, nor would I say that she would say she's known for that. I believe she still owns a school or two, like one in the L.A. area. But uh, typically when someone goes by that title, it's because they're known as being a coach, a trainer, or a teacher primarily. She, she, she just should be known as the greatest, greatest female action star of all time. She is the Lady Dragon. There you go. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, that's all I have to say about Yes, Madam. I feel like we both had great lists that actually kind of uh, correlated quite well. Uh, it, it did. It, even though we did go way over on time, we've been trying to make <laughs> it an hour or less. But guess what? On a listicle, you're going to hit about 90 minutes. It's just the way it is. Imagine how we done it, had we done a top 10. Uh, well, I, I'm glad we talked about rap in the beginning and had AC issues. Yeah. You know what? That actually added like 20 minutes. We probably could have been <laughs> in an hour. So, uh we're, I'm going to keep it all in there, though. So guess what, people? Yeah, I've had people complain, your episodes are too long. I'm like, you know what? The real fans like them. That's yeah. more, it's more my older brother that complained that my episodes were too long. And I'm like, wait, are you actually ever listening to it, dog? But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm like, if you truly wanted to listen more regularly, then I would maybe make uh, an adjustment or two. But uh, anywho. All right. Any final thoughts? Hey, I did, you know, this has been fun. Uh just, just rewatching her stuff and just uh, looking at scenes and not full films at points over the last week. It's just like you know what, she's she was and is truly special. Uh, and I kind of overlooked, probably not at I, basically I overlooked at times how giving she is to her villains, how giving she is to her co-stars and how giving she is. And just like I said, like the diner scenes. And when I think of diner scenes, I'm thinking like in martial law too, when she's sitting down with the sus, uh, you know, the suspect and they're talking about like growing up, it's like, Oh, you know what she's giving. And that's what makes her fight sequences so different than other, other martial artists. It's it's, It's not just me, me, me. It's let's make the best fight sequence we can. Exactly. And it's it, sometimes sometimes I mean she comes up short. Sometimes I mean she comes up the winner. Sometimes that means her uh, co-star comes up the winner. But she's always she's always looking to give on film. And that's some that says something really special about her. And, and you know, hopefully there's a, another film or two to come. I like that mentality. So on that note, we'll be back next week to record. We're not sure what we're recording yet. We'll discuss that later on. But anywho. It's been amazing per usual. I hope you have a great rest of your weekend and uh, hopefully this episode will drop on Wednesday and we'll probably stick to that Wednesday format. Anywho, thank you for your continued support and we will catch you all later. Adios, amigos. One man, one air conditioner, only one will survive. Freon, you've met your match. AJ Ricciardi is the Freon Killer.
starring Cynthia Rothrock as Lady Freon.